This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This week, we're bringing you our yearly wrap up. Yes, that means we're hitting you with Vegas's biggest news stories we've covered on CityCast Las Vegas. I'm here with lead producer Sonia Cho Swanson to give you the latest on today's episode, all about the not so savory practices of Pink Box Donuts owners. This episode was a hot one, Sonia. It was really popular. Yeah. <sighs> what was some of the feedback that you heard? Man, I think people were just surprised because Pink Box Donuts is just so popular. It's such a popular mm-hmm. chain in Las Vegas. I used to get them for my birthday, actually, all the time. Oh, I know. They're, they're pretty good used donuts. To. I know. <laughs> but we talked with a food writer, Kim Foster, who writes about the intersections of food and trauma. And she has mm-hmm. insight into both sides of this equation. She knows that the owners of Pink Box Donuts, the Seagull Group, also own a chain of weeklies or weekly rentals called the Seagull Suites. And they've actually been under house investigation for some pretty egregious eviction practices. And so we kind of got this inside view from Kim into all the things that happen in weeklies. And whew, I think people were really shocked. Yeah, I think people, and also the concern about housing stability it was yeah. major. Like people really wanted to know more about how how people were making it throughout the pandemic, especially. Exactly, exactly. I mean, when we aired this episode in June, we knew that Siegel Group was under house investigation, but their findings hadn't been released yet. Um, what do we know about what's come out since then? Ooh, drama, 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 drama. So the oh, House boy. subcommittee, uh, they did a full investigation of our pandemic response and they released their final report on December 14th. They get into pandemic evictions because even though there was a eviction moratorium put out, mm-hmm. many corporations, including the Siegel Group, were still evicting people. But this time it was some shady, shady ass dealings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they did it in shady ways. So the list was nuts. And the report stated that Siegel Group was uniquely egregious as Mm. executives directed employees to deceive tenants about protections under the CDC eviction moratorium. Oof. Yeah, I remember reading some of the details from the emails they released. Mm -hmm. Apparently, like, the Siegel Group was, like, posting misleading flyers about that moratorium. They would give them an eviction notice on, like, 5 p.m. on a Friday so they couldn't access resources about it. Yeah, basically borderline harassment, I mean, including threatening to call Child Protective Services or animal control. They would have security knock on the doors of people they wanted to evict in the middle of the night. I mean, it's just like a hot mess over there. Mm -hmm. It all boils down to the Siegel Group received at least $5.5 million in federal assistance to offset pandemic costs and tenants missed rent. So they got money in order to not evict people. And instead of not evicting people, they just ignored and circumvented tenant protections. Uh, yeah, that's rough. And back to like those listener responses. I mean, there are some people who are like, oh, I am never eating at a pink box owner again. Mm-hmm. And there were other people who were saying, hey, look, the political actions of whoever owns whatever donut brand is not going to influence my purchasing or eating habits or whatever. So hmm. there is this debate going on in the socials, which, you know, I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, you know, I, I, how you decide to spend your dollars to me 
can be a political act. And so that's a that's just an interesting debate I saw happen. Right. And tis the season for Kwanzaa. And one of the one of the principles of Kwanzaa is Ujama, which is about your collective, like the way that you're spending your money, those cooperative economics. Hmm. I shifted out of pink box and we leaned all the way over here to that lovely rectangle full of cookies. We eat hey. crumble. <laughs> hey. Oh, cookies. That sounds good. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it matters. I think it matters. And I think it's a small thing that you can do that makes a big difference. But right. Well, that's what people make their decisions. Kim Foster thinks that's why she's the food writer who will not eat pink box donuts. So we, we're curious to hear what you think, too, listeners. Mm-hmm. Tune in. It's Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Good morning, Kim. Welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Hi, Vogue. Happy to be here with you today. Yes, thanks for coming. Hello to your chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So I'd like to know, what is your beef with Pink Box Donuts? Okay, so uh, I'm a food writer here in Vegas, and I go to a lot of establishments, and I cook a lot. And so one of the things that I sort of have been doing is avoiding Pink Box Donuts and Mm -hmm. also Bagel Mania. Um, because they've been owned by Siegel Sweets. And I've sort of had a beef with their sort of role in Vegas culture. And I'm feeling like I'm not sort of open to giving them my money. I have not had a pink box donut, and Mm -hmm. nor have I had a bagel from Bagel Mania. And I hear they're very good, but I have resisted. So for people who don't know, what is what are Siegel Sweets? I feel like I've driven past them, but I didn't always know what they were. So Siegel Suites are weekly hotels. Siegel Suites operates some 36 flexible stay apartments in seven states and 13 extended stay apartments. Uh, so they, by their estimation, 20, 12,000 apartments in 12 states. They mm-hmm. basically buy up old crumbling apartment buildings. They spend minimally to bring them to code. So huh. anybody who lives there is paying more than they would in a standard market rate apartment for renting oh. it. They hire really good PR and they position themselves as standing in the gap for low income folks and mm-hmm. offering solutions where there are none. And so those things, basically my beef with them is that they really keep poor people poor. And okay. there are no other alternatives for people when they are housing insecure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just for reference, the McKinney-Vento Homeless Assistance Act basically defines hmm. that kids in weeklies are not considered housed children. So, oh. like, if you're an adult and Vogue, like, you live in a weekly, you're considered right. housed But if you have a child and that child lives with you, that child is considered to be a homeless youth or a housing insecure youth, depending on. So basically, our government gets that this sort of temporary. That it's not stable. That it's not stable. That doesn't feel safe, right? I know that with children, especially, having a stable household is important to just their development. Correct. uh, Feeling safe. I wonder why they don't consider it for adults, because I think that it, it still can show up as adults as a problem with adults, too. Sure. 
They, I think so. But I think they feel like at least adults have some agency. I mean, I have no idea how they framed it that way, but it makes sense to me. And even like kids in schools are considered to be fairly fairly transient when they're in, like the teachers are aware of who lives at a weekly, that kind mm. of thing. And there's a okay. lot of issues with, so for instance, like a friend of my son's, they were in a weekly and that weekly had so many roaches. And so it was so like overridden with roaches that they couldn't have fresh food. So, you know, I have all these chickens and I would like give her eggs and she would say, oh yeah, we can't have any fresh food in the house because there's so many roaches. It's, we can't do it. It's just ridiculous. And it's, it, and I don't cook. And she said, I don't cook. So basically her son and her never ate fresh food or cooked food. They, it was wow. always like fast food or food from the convenience stores, things like that. Yeah. Right. So in weeklies, do they have like a proper kitchen? Like what does a weekly look like and and what are the costs associated with moving into one? So a weekly hotel basically can be just, I mean, I've seen three bedrooms. I've seen... Um, I've seen studio apartments. There's usually a small kitchen. A lot of those should have things like microwaves and pots and pans. But what we find out is that the microwaves are um, extra, for instance. Um, TV remotes can be as much as $10. So there might be... No! (laughs) So... I don't know why that's a crime to me, but I'm just like, what do you mean $10 for a remote? Sorry. Well, think about it. So the back end costs are that weeklies engage in this sort of corrupt tactics to extract money from people because these poor people have no recourse. So for instance, like a friend of mine, uh, her name is Alexandra. She's a chef on the strip. They, when they moved here, they were pregnant and she and her husband were like looking for work. So they just took a weekly and um, they charged them over a thousand dollars for damages. And oh. they're still fighting it off years now on her credit and to wow. like and they didn't damage the apartment. They did a walkthrough, everything. Um, I have people who had come to the pantry who said that they went months without AC in triple digit summer temperatures, that there were is exposed wiring. The bathroom ceiling was falling in. And then when the AC was fixed, like water would come in. We have three elderly residents who like were living in a place with no elevator working. And they were on the third floor and they're elderly and like dragging groceries up the stairs. Up the stairs. So and you're paying top you're paying top dollar for this, right? So, um, and the nickel and diming is a really big thing. So, Right, because you were saying about the microwaves that, so how does, Yeah. So (laughs) everything is extra. And I think from their perspective, they're probably saying, well, you know, things get, this is a tough population and things get broken. But what happens is that it really ups the cost on everything. So even like, think of it this way. So lots of these little costs require a debit or credit card. And if you don't have them, to, you have to go to the bank to get a, like a money order for the card because they won't take cash. So oh. if you can't get to your bank or you don't have a bank or you don't account, have a bank, right? You pay a fee around two dollars to get one at the post office, and so that's another two dollars. So and you have to get there and have a car, and you know, I mean, there's just all kinds of like these things that for poor people, for people who are really struggling, um, these things can just like just 
drag you under over time. Right. You're just constantly, the money's going out, money's going out, $2 here, $5 here, $10 here. And then when you're moving out and you get hit with charges that aren't even charges that you, like I have one lady tell me that they have still think that she took the bed from her apartment. And she's like, um, we did a walkthrough. Right. If you have a walkthrough and you did paperwork, you should have legal recourse. But can you afford legal recourse if you're trying to rebuild your life and your family and living in a weekly was your only option? Correct. In an ideal world, how would a weekly work? Well, now this is a really interesting question, Vogue, because I've been imagining how I, I, I don't... I don't usually think of people as being inherently bad. So, but I do think of systems as being bad. So for instance, you know, I don't know who the players are in the company, Mm -hmm. but I do know that the company, they could, they could be the heroes here. Like I was just even just spitballing without thinking if there was a voucher program through the government Mm -hmm. where people who are struggling could be like, Maybe some of those, maybe one of the buildings could be in, in, in a particular property could have like people who needed supported housing, like caseworkers and, um, you know, people to, they could be the, the answer for housing insecure people in Vegas. I don't, I don't have any specifics. I'm not like a public policy person, but the idea that we could be thinking about how Siegel Suites, instead of going out and saying, you know, they, they run these charity things like, oh, we spent the last two days giving back to our residents at Siegel Suites, you know, Mm -hmm. giving away pizza and water and snacks and things like that. Instead of doing those things, which are really just optics and they're just charity, they don't Mm. create any kind of equity. Long-term solution. Correct. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. So we talked about how, you know, in a perfect world or an ideal world, how weekly would work. What's the reality of weeklies? The reality is that it's a place where a lot of people who are struggling are really put together in one place. And that means there's no social resources Mm -hmm. for any of these people. When you get people all cramped together who are all struggling and they're transient. So they're in and out. Right. And they're all they're, And they're going through their own pressure. Right. And we know that poverty is a huge stressor and it stresses 
the brain and you make stupid decisions because mm -hmm. of that stress, the reactive. You can't think of the whole thing, the consequences down the line, what's going to happen a year from now because of this decision. You're just thinking, how do I friggin' keep this roof over my head? What do I yeah. have to do? And so your brain is working badly and over time. And so this is so the weeklies are really places where these kinds of things fester. So there's no context. Like people need context. If you know that your neighbor is schizophrenic, then you know who that person is. You know, or they're, they're addicted to drugs. You know who that person is. You know that family. But if there's this transient place where everybody's just sort of like in and out, in and out, in and out, nobody is really known. There's no compassion. There's no dealing with people one-on-one. -on -one. It becomes mm -hmm all very there's no there's nobody can reach out for help like hey can you watch my kid for an hour because I just got you know overtime can you like wow. you know do that there's none of that there's no social supports for people if we're not supporting them then basically we're just impairing their ability to like succeed you know 10 years from now that kind of thing so the implications are huge they're really big right I feel like you just made me want to be a better neighbor <laughs> Yeah. So I don't think we all always do that. We all always take care of our neighbors. But I I definitely think that there's something to be said about if you're in a place long enough, you start communicating with the people close by to you if it feels safe. And that long term stability makes a difference in how you um how you interact with the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's how I sort of came to sort of understand Seagull Sweets because I was delivering food there and not just Seagull, also, you know, other weeklies, Extended Stay America, that kind of stuff. The, the idea was I was in these places and people were telling me these stories and they were saying things like, you know, I got a notice today. I don't know what to do. And, you know, so you learn pretty quickly. Okay, call this person. Go here. You need to do this, that kind of stuff. But if you're stuck in a weekly someplace, Who's going to tell you to do that? Who's going to say, you. call this person. He's a friend right. of mine at blah, blah, blah. He can help you. He knows, what, you know, who's going to do that? Who's going to give you resources? Man. And weeklies promote their spaces as flexible solutions for the working class population. But it sounds like they make things more precarious for the people who live there, uh, especially in terms of the rules around evictions. Oh, completely. Evictions are a really big issue for people who are struggling, particularly in weeklies, because um, there is um, something called summary eviction in Nevada. This is a very special gift that only Nevadans have. What is a summary eviction? <laughs> that sounds terrible. It sounds like they wrote a paragraph and they were like, and in conclusion, get yes. out. <laughs> okay, so imagine this. Okay, imagine this. This is really, this is uh, so, Okay. So, Vogue, we're just going to use you as an example, okay? Mm -hmm. You are uh, living in a weekly. So let's just say okay. you didn't pay your rent. You're late, didn't okay? And you're like, dude, I'm going to get you the rent. And they're like, it doesn't matter. You didn't pay. And so they give you a seven-day eviction notice. Mm -hmm. And um, your job is to know that you need to then take that eviction notice, file an affidavit with the courts, so that it stops the process so that you can then get a hearing in court mm -hmm. so that you can then deal with the eviction. If you don't file that affidavit, Vogue, they can do whatever they want. 
they will just plow you under and somebody will show up at your door in seven days and you'll basically be like carrying your shit out, you know, in a plastic bag. In a plastic bag or two or three. Yeah. Right. So it's so and that's a Nevada thing. That's not a Seagull Suites thing or an extended stay America thing. That's that is specifically how the government, you know, um, you know, takes the side of landlords and big corporations and not, you know, poor folks who are just trying to get by. Like, how would you know if you were evicted that you had to go and file an affidavit? No, I wouldn't even know where to start, who to go to. And I feel like filing an affidavit probably also costs money. Uh, of course it does. And that would be in my budget. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The other thing is that they have um, a lot of loopholes. So, for instance, during the uh, Siegel is being investigated by a subcommittee of the House um, about their eviction practices during the pandemic moratorium. They were not supposed to be evicting people and people were being evicted. And their response, and they definitely quoted, um, they, I, they were definitely quoted in the Nevada Current saying that, um, if people live on our property and they're a nuisance and they're a disturbance or broken laws or any rules in the rental agreement other than the payment of rent, then we are allowed to evict. And weeklies have really taken advantage of that loophole. So we're seeing people not evicted during the pandemic for things like they can't pay the rent, but they are getting evicted for having too many people in the rooms, having too many pets. They are... Um, there are, if they break a law or they break any kind of, uh, um, uh, uh, rule in their rental agreement, if they don't sign somebody in who's visiting, I mean, there's all kinds of like little loopholes and they're just merciless. They'll just kick you out. And so this is how they operate. Mm -hmm. So the cycle is you say, okay, screw it. I've got the rent money. I'm not going to give it to Siegel Suites and pay. Because if I pay, then I won't have money. They'll evict me anyway. So you clear out in the middle of the night because you've got this money and you go to another weekly. And then that transient starts again because and you've got an eviction on your credit. And then an eviction means that no one in a regular monthly lease, unless you know somebody, but you don't know somebody because you're caught up in the system of weeklies. You're not in a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Right. The, so it's it just like the cycle. You just see the cycle. It's all a the spiral. Time. It's a it's spiral. How will you ever become a homeowner even for purchasing a home? If you have evictions on your record, it's much harder. Like, I think you have to wait a few years before you can purchase a home. Yeah. So um, but you can't even rent a regular home from a regular management company after you have an eviction on your they'll look, they'll see the eviction and you're done. And so it ruins your opportunity to get out of the system that you're in. You just get stuck in this spiral. And, you know, we have there's somebody that came to the pantry a lot. He lives in a single suites and he's been there for years. He's doing great. He's been there for years, huh. but they could never get hmm. enough money together and get their credit in good enough shape to get out of Siegel Suites. To move suites. out. So they live there for years on end. Years on end. Wow. And he's I paying just... more than he would pay mm -hmm. if he had a market rate apartment. Exactly. Even for, oh, I have so many thoughts now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why I can't stomach 
you know, a pink box donut, right? It's not because I don't love their donuts. They look friggin' amazing and their bagels look amazing and look amazing at Bagel Mania. But mm-hmm. I feel like I can't stop this for people. So this small little act and talking about it is like the only thing that I can do, you know, and I want them, I don't want them to be, to push this aside and not respond or, or be indignant about it. Like I'm trying to hurt them or whatever. I just want them to be this, like a partial solution to really a lot of folks in Vegas who are just really going through a hard time. Thank you so much for being on the show, um, for having such a deep compassion for the community around you and, and reaching out and working towards understanding different people's perspectives, especially when it comes to food and housing um, insecurity as well. Thank you for oh, that. I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy to have this really fantastic interaction with you after having read your work and um, just really an honor for me. So thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. We know you're enjoying the show. So here are four things you can do to show us some love. Tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon.